Hey, good morning, good afternoon or good evening to you, depending on when you're listening to or indeed watching this edition of Hypnosis Week Live. And I'm absolutely delighted that my first guest of 2021 is a true living legend of the hypnosis world. And um, I'm sure it's going to be a most interesting and enlightening hour. The gentleman you can see on screen, if you're on the video channel, uh, who I'm about to uh, introduce you to, He's, well, he's got more awards than we've got time to go through, so I'll just give you a few examples. In 2008, he got the National Guild of Hypnotist Ormond McGill Award for Presenter of the Year. In 2007, he was booked onto the advisory board of the National Guild of Hypnotists. In 2007, he also got the National Guild of Hypnotist Hypnotism Media Award. In 2005, he got their Special Recognition Award uh, in reference to the fact that this is the gentleman who, if he looks familiar to a lot of you, it could be because of the fact that he founded World Hypnotism Day that for a number of years now we've celebrated on the 4th of January year. In 2004, he got the National Guild of Hypnotist Hypnotism Achievement Award. I could go on and on and on and fill the full hour with this gentleman's awards, what he's done, what he's achieved in the industry. I'm going to let him tell you more about all that and just say that he's also the author of two, uh, two books in particular, one called Thinking Thin, The Truth About Weight Loss, and another called A Better You by Hypnosis. He's the creator of the Depth Model for Weight Loss. Um, it, there's a whole bunch of other awards he's got. As I say, I'll be here forever. I'm sure he'll weave them in as we go along. Not only is he an exceptional uh, hypnotherapist and hypnosis trainer, but as you'll also notice, if you look at the other links that will be below this video or on the audio podcast in the show information, he's also a very talented blues and rock guitarist who also performs, as you'll see on TomNicoli.com. Uh, please welcome to the show, I just said his name, Mr. Tom Nicoli. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? It's good to be here with you. I'm good. I could have gone on forever, though. You've got so many flipping awards, um, which, well, that speaks for itself. I mean, I'm going to ask you the obvious question that I ask everybody at the start of the show. The one I ask at the beginning, the one I ask at the end, is always the same as anyone who goes to hypnosisweek.com will see. In the middle, it's different because it's all about you, your unique life. But the first question, which is kind of unique in itself, albeit I ask everyone the same thing, is how what how did your life lead you to where you are now and what you've achieved along the way, Tom? Well, in the very beginning, you know, it's uh, how did you get into hypnosis? What attracted you to the profession? Yeah. And as an entertainer my whole life, being on stage, um, well, first I had been reading a marketing, not even a book. It was a three-ring binder of this printed material called Part-Time Riches. And in there, it talked about your mindset. And they just gave a visualization. So I started using it and started really making changes in my life. So I did some research. And this was back in, Jesus, uh, late 90s. So the internet was not what it is now. But I realized and learned that it was hypnosis. So I thought, you know, that stage stuff is cool. And maybe I should look into that. So I looked online. And I found that uh, I was living back home in uh, the Boston area, Boston, Mass. And there was an instructor, uh, an NGH instructor, right in the city I was living in. So I went and talked with him, and he said, yeah, I could show you that. But, and a light bulb went off over my head. 
you talked to me about the working with people side of it all. And uh, it was one of those destined kind of things. So I jumped in. I was working at that time as a full mouth reconstruction dental technician in playing oh, three. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I was playing three or four nights a week as a musician. So then when I added this career, I started staying away 20 hours a day, seven days a week. I did that for about a year. And then things started to break. You know, when you do good things, good things happen. Um, a gentleman in our profession once said on a call, Tom McCauley's the best marketer in our profession. And I wanted to say, no, I'm not. <laughs> because all the great things that have happened, I didn't market or go get. I got an email from Harvard Medical School asking me to speak there three years, four years into my career. I got a phone call from NBC, and it led to Dateline NBC, national recognition, where my career just exploded. It was ridiculous. So all these great things that have come along, uh, Shape Magazine, I mean, it just went on and on and on, on, Forbes Magazine, you know, it was an avalanche, actually. So all of it comes to me, and at that time, I didn't realize that I was actually in the law of attraction. I mean, we always are, but I mean, I was mm -hmm. uh, activating it in a positive way because I was determined, I was in total belief, and uh, once my exit said, so what are you doing? And I used to study at night and do work at night, so I figured once my, my son was in bed, because he was really young then, he's 29 now, um, I had till about midnight and then I'll get to bed and I'd stay up later and later. So that's why 20 hour days were happening. But I said to her, I'm going to build an empire. She said, what's that mean? I said, I don't know. She goes, why'd you say it? I go, I don't know. So we went from a five room apartment in what they call triple deckers, you know, to the property I ended up having in New Hampshire, which was, uh, beautiful. I mean, really beautiful. Uh, you had to walk down there to get to the pool, you know? And she looked one day and she goes, hey, remember you were going to build an empire? I said, well, in contrast, yeah. And things have gotten even you know, more progressive, but I still wait to do whatever it is that will astound me. So it's been um, a beautiful, wonderful journey. It's had its challenges. I mean, I've had some personal challenges that were ridiculous, but mm. I apply what we share with our clients. I walk my talk. So like when I fell on a wine glass at home and took out my left eye, I just said, with less sight, I'll have more vision. Mm. It goes on and on and on and on. <laughs> Did, I'm, I mean, I remember, obviously, it was all over the um, internet. That was back in 2013, your accident. Um, I've got to ask the obvious question because the people will be watching or listening to this a large amount of them will be hypnotherapists already or stage hypnotists or involved in i'll call it one of the talking mind therapists because it's mm -hmm. such a broad broad category okay you can ask me anything did you use self-hypnosis because when when that accident occurred you know a to help with your recovery and b to help with pain and all those elements you don't close the door after the horse leaves the barn, right? So it wasn't this happened now, I'm applying what we teach. No, I use it all the time. So when I, well, here's how it went. While I was at Mass General Hospital, and now it's like two, three, four in the morning. I don't know what it was. And finally, doctor said, look, uh, we got to operate. I went, okay, my God, you know, I was going through so much. And uh, he said, but I got to talk to you. You're not going to see out of that eye. He said, but you can drive legally and people fly planes. I said, well, that's great. He goes, why? I said, because I can't fly a plane now. 
So that was my attitude, you know? It's like, shit happens. It's not what happens in your life. It's how you deal with it, how you react. And however you react is what's already inside of you. So when you get squeezed, whatever comes out is already in there. So whatever came out was me doing the work along the way so I could react in a better way. Excellent. So, I mean, could obviously... To be slightly more specific, I mean, did, did you then also consciously go through any of what people may term self-hypnosis um, processes rather than or in conjunction with to reduce the kind of pain killers they would have given you and all that kind of stuff? Not only did I fall on a wine glass and the stem went up through my eye and it was in my brain. Three years after that, I got Bell's palsy. I still have lingering paralysis effects here inside of my mouth and the left side of me. So it was so bad. My left side of my face collapsed, my arm. I couldn't talk, I couldn't eat, I couldn't drink, nothing. Nothing could stay in my mouth. Mm. It was horrific. I had physical pain like you couldn't believe. And the quote was from the doctors, all tests lean toward Lyme disease. But two weeks previous, I was I got an antibiotic, what I thought was a spider bite, but it was probably that tick bite. So it didn't get in my system and ruin me because Lyme can literally ruin your life and your body. Mm -hmm. So um, prescriptions, no. Mm -mm. I have a master herbalist. And in my cabinet, if you open up the two doors in my kitchen, in the cabinet, you'll see tinctures and oils and powders and herbs and things like that. So I took, for the first week, because of the physical pain I had going on up and down my back, which was so vicious, there were times I'd almost cry. Uh, and that was, I think, what whatever the um, consequences of the Lyme was, the Lyme disease. Um, but for me, a week, I took some painkillers. But after that, no. So there are no prescriptions. My here's, here's how uh, wacky it is here in, in the States as far as prescriptions. I'm in the hospital. Two nurses on two different shifts said to me, hey, we've been looking for your folder. Like, what do you mean? Your medical folder. I thought you had it. Yeah, but there's nothing in it. I go, yeah, I had my appendix out when I was five. I've had you know stitches on my chin and my ankle along the way playing as a kid she goes yeah but no doctor visits and no prescriptions like, well you're not supposed to have them yeah. <laughs> you're supposed to live from you don't need a brown bottle in your cabinet i mean they have their place but come on it's ridiculous right so the earth has everything that we need to heal we just need to find out what it is so that's the uh, course of action i took okay cool i mean this is going to sound a bit perhaps um <clears throat> I'm not, I'm not, there's no trick questions here. I'm just literally verbalizing things that people might think. Yeah. And I think it's refreshing what you've just said because yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Something that's natural is always going to be better than something that's chemically manufactured, without a doubt. But in essence, that answer also that you just gave also indicates that you didn't how can I put it? I'm not going to name names, but I've done similar because people have to work out for themselves. But there are some people who, when asked that question, would immediately go, oh, yes, I used this self-hypnosis process and I felt no discomfort, no pain whatsoever. Um, I like this. the fact that, 
you know, you've been honest with us there that, you know, there are situations where just running some mental program ain't going to help on its own. That's right. That's right. Like so I tell hats off to you, sir. Well, in one of the news stations, you know, once I had that national claim to fame, every news station in the Boston area came and covered me, right? And it was a clip they played a lot. And I was sitting at my desk and I looked at the camera. I said, hypnosis is magical, but it's not magic. You know, it's, it's, it's not the only thing or the thing that will help in, I don't like the word cure, but, you know, relieve all. Mm-hmm. It's a tool, but it's used in complement with other things. But my attitude is natural, so mind and earth. I mean, when this thing was all developed, nothing was missing, nothing. We just need to find out what and where. And your body can't process what's synthetic. It only processes what's natural, just like in food, right? Processed edible products are what most people are eating. They're not eating food because food is something that was once alive. And it's the same thing in your medicine. And food is your first medicine. So, like, when I had the paralysis, I got clean. I mean, real clean, cleaner than I've ever been in uh, everything that I put in my body. And then your body will do miraculous things. But yeah, hypnosis isn't the thing. And I can't stand when people in our profession do that stuff. Like, hey, come on in, we're in one session, we'll take care of that. Like, that's bullshit. Don't even, you know, profess that stuff. I mean, let's be honest. I'm on a fine line that I agree with you definitely from the point of view that we can't claim it's a be all and end all for everything. Right. As I say, I take my hat off to you that you're honest and out there that, you know, there was other stuff you used other than just mind power in terms of controlling the pain um, when you went through that. And obviously, no situation, Jack, couldn't agree with you more. Over here, law, there is there's a fine line between the two. There's the element of we don't want to be giving, or at least I don't think we should be giving any element of doubt or negative suggestions to potential clients. Mm-hmm. Now, I know there's, there's that line in the middle, but over here, I think giving them the perception that not always, but the majority of the time, the majority of people, all other things being equal, that you will be able to achieve that phobia cure or getting rid of X, Y, or Z in one session so that it actually leaves that mental possibility open to them. But accepting the fact that that may not be the case for everyone. That's my kind of... Well, yeah, I mean, that's just being reasonable and honest, isn't it? Um, Like when people say, oh, 100% stops a working program or 100% anything, I'm I'm immediately skeptical. Immediately. 100%, really. Never, never doesn't go right. Come on. So predominantly, the majority of the time, yeah, absolutely. But on the other hand, anyone who's uh, coming in with, for the right reasons and are willing and open to really do some work, everyone benefits to some degree. But it isn't the thing that will do everything. That's a key thing um, you've just said there. I think it's, to me personally, I think it's by far the most important key to anything we do as hypnotherapists, mind therapists, to better mind, whatever name, mm. when it's involving this bit, the personal laptop computer, as it were, is that the client needs to be in the right state of mind when they book the session mm. and when they come and see you. Mm. What over your illustrious career have you found to be the best ways? I mean, I can flippantly just say, if you advertise in the right manner, that's going to get them in the right state of mind before they come to you. But 
everyone has different ways of doing that. If you have your office in a certain manner, it can put them in the sense they're in the right atmosphere of a professional who knows what they're doing. But again, different people have different ways of doing that because, you know, I'm sat here right now uh, in a T-shirt. You're sat very smartly in a jacket. Now, there are times when I wear a jacket and shirt if I go into a corporate company. But for therapy, you know, therapy clients, generally, I I do the more the life coachy, normal Mm -hmm. person on the street. Different people have different approaches. What's worked best for you over the years to get them in that right zone that success is more likely guaranteed? It's not one thing. There's a variety of things that come together to create the whole, right, all the parts. So the professional uh, image, um, ethical, uh, some validity. See, the the beauty of uh, my career is that once I got national recognition, uh, I was already validated. You know, like somebody who uh, worked on my staff said, you know, we have to do consultation still. You don't ever have to do a consultation again because people already know they want to work with you. So I had to start screening people out who I should have been working with, which I didn't do at first. And I learned along the way, you don't just accept everybody. That's a desperate attitude. Um, And it's just not the right way. So it's a combination of different things, right? But at the bottom line, even though you want to step it up a bit, you still got to be you. Because one day you'll show up and they won't know who the hell you are. So, I mean, you know, I have a little street attitude and that's okay. <laughs> the, like one person who from St. Louis who contacted me, a hypnotist, who I coach hypnotists to really explode their careers. And I said, so why me? She goes, I need your no bullshit attitude. I said, okay, then come on board. <laughs> so it's not one thing. It's being you, presenting yourself as a professional. I mean, when people walk in, of course, immediately they're going to have a response. So, you know, what's the environment? What are you creating? But it's this bit, right? It's whatever's going on between you and that person. As long as you present yourself properly and you ask the right questions to find out if they're there for the right reasons, you'll be all right. You know, when somebody says, well, my wife said I should come, you need to go home. And you, you, I mean, I know I have, and it sounds as though you have as well, other times when you've ended up with the, on the phone maybe, sounded okay, and then when they've got there, you've ended up saying, not a good idea, off you pop. Yeah, how I do that, uh, because people say, oh, no, 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 I, I, I want to work with you. They were referred or they saw me somewhere online or on TV or whatever. And um, I say to them, you know, no, I've done this a long time. And the last thing we ever want to do is misguide or mislead. And I'm just not the right fit for you. There's somebody that is, and that's what you need. And I tell people this all the time. Hey, it doesn't have to be me, but find someone. So what I do is I let them off gently. Then when they're gone, I just, you know, like, thank God that's not happening. And they really want to be, want to stay. And I'm like, no, because I, I don't want to waste your time and money. And I don't want you to think this, pro- this process doesn't work because it does, or I'm not good at what I do because I am. Um, no, I've done this a long time. And, and I'm telling you, I'm going to refer you and I'll refer them to the guild and let them find somebody in their area. And I do it that way. That makes total sense in terms of if you just instinctively, I'm going to say it, we're, as therapists, we're perhaps not supposed to say things like this. Some people watching or listening will say, but there will be times. It's natural in life. You, you're bound to encounter somebody that you just think, I don't want to work with them. It's not yeah. about nothing to do with whether you could help them or not. You just don't want to. 
Okay, so that makes total sense in that context. But what if they hadn't let it be known on the phone, but when they got there, it became evident that they were just there because they wanted to shut the wife or husband up, you know, be able to say, oh, I went and did what you told me to. Okay, so I gave you one way. But you think you could help them as long as they ended up being in the state of mind that they wanted to do it for themselves. Would you, is, okay. would you approach it in a way so you'd left the door open for them to come back, maybe? No, I got you. So we get three different responses now. The first one I gave, mm -hmm. that's when they, they, there's no rapport. You just got that vibe thing going on, right? It's not happening, which is the energetic vibration. It's not aligning. Uh, so the other two parts are, Okay, so, you know, your wife's on your back, you came in. Do you want to be here? Do you want to address this issue? And if they, uh, you know, kind of there, then I'll work a little bit further with them. But if they're like, you know what, no. Or I'll say, if your wife didn't exist, would you be here? No. All right, then, fair enough. I think you should come back when you want to, because it's all about you. Now, they say, well, you know, I thought about it. I'm like, okay, well, let's talk about that. And then maybe bring them on board. So those are the three options that are there when you have a client that you're not sure about. Excellent. Again, thank you for being so honest with us because there are some names in this industry who train others who, when asked a question like that, would just, I'm going to say lie because... I can't mm -hmm. believe they've never encountered a situation like that. Mm -hmm. But if you believe some of the nonsense some people spell, these things never happen in the real world. Um, well, obviously, as you know, they do. What, which just randomly enters my head, what's the weirdest, wackiest thing anyone's ever come to you with? You really want me to do this on camera? Yeah, I mean, obviously, without revealing any of the details that right. ethically or morally... First of all, this is not weird or wacky in real life. In okay. real life, it's it's part of a lifestyle. But in your office, how many people are in practice? So, oh, and by the way, let me say this. When I and all my seminars and workshops are always to the people in the profession. I don't do general public workshops or seminars. Mm -hmm. And I have said to people, I'm sure I've done more free sessions in a year than some of you have done paid. Some people have been in this profession as long as I, but they've done maybe a tenth of the amount of sessions. When I had that national uh, claim to fame, let's say, I was doing 15 one-hour sessions seven days a week. I was doing 105 sessions a week. So I've got some session work under my belt. And, and everyone from five years old to 91 years old, and I've had people in, I think, 23 countries I've worked with. I, I, don't, I, I really don't want to sound facetious or, or, or offensive with any of these questions, but I've got to ask you, somebody's got to be thinking it, and deep down I am. Why the bleeping egg, inserts favourite swear word of choice, did you want to do 15 bloody sessions a day? I no. purposely limit myself <laughs> because it just... Here's how it happened. I grew up real blue collar, real goodwill hunting. Watch the movie Goodwill Hunting, same mm -hmm. knuckleheads, same bars, same shitbox cars. But instead of the salt shore, I was on the north shore, the Italian side rather than the Irish side. <laughs> so all I knew was work. That's all I knew. I didn't know business at all. I didn't know, hey, 
grab an office real fast, have it furnished, get some hypnotists on staff. I didn't know any of that stuff. I just knew if you worked, you got paid. So I just had a busier job and I worked for a different person, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, then eventually, you know, that started to ease. I added some people on staff. I had an admin person, you know, office manager, and, and I, you know, worked toward it. But right. when I was on, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. Matter of fact, I wasn't going to do it because they weren't going to pay me. They're like, no, we don't pay. And I was like, well, I got to get paid because I was broke, you know. So then intuition, gut feeling was like, ah, I'll just do it. Well, when it first aired, it was insane. I had a cassette tape for $20, 1999. That cassette tape in that week sold $10,000 worth of that tape. The nice. second, it was three episodes. The second episode, it was 10000 that hour and 50000 that week. So imagine the kind of clientele I was getting. So I had people nice. booked for three months because they had to book all their sessions. You know, I don't do this one session craziness. That That's just craziness. It's a bad business model, but it's a disservice to people because once you get in here, unless it's like clear out of phobia or smoking or something like that, once you work with something, you opened up a can, you don't just let them go, man. I believe it's your yeah, response. I mean, you're specifically talking multi-session approach in terms of yeah. weight management and anything stuff. Anything has a program, okay? So when work came, all I knew was just to do it. But I got so burnt out that at one point I was doing a session. So I'd go 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. And my chin kind of bounced off my chest. And I thought, how long have I been out? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Person's still sitting there like this. <laughs> okay. So I started to make some changes. <clears throat> but I just didn't know better. That's the truth. I did not know better. I've made more mistakes than anyone will ever make because I'm um, – mm, well, the testicular fortitude kicks in, and I go out on a limb till I hear it crack. Then I go back to the trunk. But most people practice holding on to the trunk where it's safe. Ah, you're not going to learn anything. So I've made all the mistakes. Who cares? No big deal. Uh, now I know. Um, I forget what I was talking about when I interrupted my own self. Oh, no, you're all right. You answered it. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that leads me next to... Oh yeah, you were gonna you were gonna tell me about one of the weird, weirdest wacky things that you've been presented with over the years, and then you mentioned well actually it wasn't really that weird and wacky in terms of real life. Well, that's seamless edit there. It won't be seamless. That's why I'm making a point of mentioning it verbally so you don't all email in going, that picture jumped or the audio sounded the joys of modern technology. But just before that wonderful seamless edit, um, Tom had been uh, telling us some great advice, but leading up to answering my question about what's the wackiest thing you've had in terms of clients coming through your uh, consulting room door and you said well it's not actually that wacky in the real world but it is and then we went off on all different segways so uh, yeah. so wacky clients all right so i wouldn't say wacky i would just say out of the ordinary unusual right where a gentleman called me asked me now now there's a lesson in here okay if i could help him through hypnosis enjoy the taste of sperm because his boyfriend wants him to swallow okay okay so my question was if it's not something you actually enjoy why force you know the issue maybe 
we want to look at your inability to stand up for yourself with enough confidence and self-esteem and just work it out that, you know, that's just not something that's going to happen or just something I don't enjoy. So I'm not going to force it. It didn't end up becoming a client, but it was just something he never thought about. And I think I just put a little suggestion in there for him to maybe uh, contemplate what's up in that area. But other than that, I mean, most of the stuff is pretty routine as far as what we all do and what we see. And isn't it peculiar when people come in and go, well, I don't, I don't know if anyone ever told you this. Like, yeah, the last thousand people. <laughs> so that was probably the only thing that like stood out. Um, what one, do you enjoy what, dealing with most then? Uh, pardon? What, what sort of areas do you enjoy dealing with most when they do arise? Uh, I really, really enjoy the coaching aspect because I've transitioned mostly to coaching, but a better coach because hypnosis is involved because the person can take all the great coaching you do and ruin it. So the individual is the most important part of anything, right? So being a hypnotist, you automatically are a better coach uh, or really geared toward coaching. And it's not as messy. It's not as uh, involved. I enjoy it a lot, but when it came to office work, the, let me see, you know, well, people who are looking to excel, you know, that's what I really enjoyed. I mean, do we really like getting into the messy regression and, you know, the, the issues and all that stuff? Uh, some people, some people really dig that. But over the course of time, I've dived so deep, I dove so deep into this that uh, now it's like I, I finally came out of the deep end. And I can dry off and just lay in the sun for a while. <laughs> I mean, I've been in the thick of it, as you can imagine. I did that uh, seven-day-a-week thing, 105 sessions for almost a year. Bloody hell. Yeah. Now, I think about that, and I can't even believe it. I can't even believe it. Now, I don't do more than, jeez, 15 one-on-one, one-hour sessions, and no, no live anymore. Plus, my, my clients were all about 70% online anyway um, for a lot of my career. Well, you segued just before, Mick, and obviously I've got notes, as you would expect, yeah. for memory triggers. And I was going to lead up to asking you about um, your views on doing it. I know you've given presentations talking about stuff like this in the past at conventions, about doing online sessions, because obviously we... As we do this, it's the 8th of January 2021, and we're into year two of the world COVID coronavirus um, pandemic. And if we believe what the media are telling us, we've got at least another year to 18 months before things will get back to any semblance of normal. So there's going to be lots of time periods where there's lockdowns or restrictions and even when it gets back to apparent normal, there's still going to be a lot of people that have been conditioned by the fear mongering in the press that they're not going, they're going to be more than social distancing. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, I think that is a good, good enough reason, aside from the health and safety aspects of it, safer to offer online sessions. But also, I, I, I think that in the future, people are going to feel safer doing things online. And yet I see so many therapists in these groups saying, Oh, it won't work as well online. And I'm like, you've missed the point there slightly. So, I mean, can you tell us how, your views on it? My question to them is how can it not? 
Tell me how it not work as well. Because the person's not in the room with you. That's what they'd say. No, okay. I'd say, well, they are. Wait. You can still have an energetic. I asked them, what's the advantage of that? Most people can't articulate the answer. Okay. The only difference, well, two differences. This is it. You don't have a physical energetic exchange in the in the space, though there's still an energetic exchange here, but it's not the same. Yeah. And no touching the client. Well, in a lot of places you can't touch the client anyway. So I'm not doing hand drops. I mean, I stopped doing this a long time ago, man. I sit in a chair, cross my client, cross my legs, and I use this. If you can't weave language patterns in a way, you might want to look for another profession or get more training. And I'm not being an ass here. I'm being really honest with people because the excuses are just that. They're excuses. They're not reasons. Reasons are excuses dressed up in better clothing to look more attractive. They're all excuses. So let's look at it for a moment. I had two offices. I had one in Massachusetts and one in New Hampshire. They both profited. But when I shut them both down in that last three years while well, still back in New England, because I'm now in North Canton, Ohio, uh, where I can see people live if I want. We're not in lockdown or any of that stuff. All right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I did a gig last night. I'm playing out tonight and I'm playing Sunday. <laughs> you lucky man. I've not been able to, I've literally not done, because I do hypnosis shows and mind reading shows as well, therapy. I've literally not done a show since the start of February last year, live. I've done stuff online, but not to a real audience. Right. No, so take this. So I moved, um, the front room of my house was the study, and I had pocket doors. I could block off the rest of the rooms around it. So I moved my uh, practice there. And then, uh, again, about 70% of the people were online. They had people, you know, in different countries and such, you know, about, down the States. So I closed those two offices, and immediately I put $30,000 a year in my pocket. So do you want your office, the insurance, the liability, uh, the overhead, the commute, or do you want to walk from that room into here? So this is your office. Um do you want to market to the people who could drive to you? Now, I've had people drive three hours each way to do a one-hour session, so seven hours out of the day to come do a session with me weekly. Uh, I've had people fly in from other countries even or fly me to places. Do you want to just uh, end that commute and that time? So I joke with my clients, though, it's an indirect suggestion that you don't have to get dressed, you don't have to get in the car, you don't have to deal with the traffic and the stress and the gas and the time. I should be charging you more for these sessions, for the convenience factor. So if you really know what this process is, what hypnosis is, influence, persuasion, power, suggestion, and you know how to craft and weave uh, words and language with tone matching what you're saying and pacing, you'll get the results. How many people get results with audio recordings? How come that works? So there is no argument that you can ever place in front of me that is ever going to say, no, you should absolutely do live too. And I can take this to the beach and do sessions all day. Come on. Nice. I couldn't agree with you more, Tom. Um, now, I'm not sure whether you – I think well, it doesn't matter whether you agree with me or not because that's not what this is about. It's about no. Northern Floor. But I suspect you might to some degree, based on what you just said, and that is the other hot potato that you see therapists talking about in it. Well, if they spent less time 
on such discussions in social media groups, then perhaps they would have more clients. But hey, oh, but the old nugget of scriptnosis. You shouldn't use scripts. If you use scripts, you don't know what you're doing. Now, my stance on that is that you should be flexible enough to improvise, of course, and individualize to the client. But your structure, which at the end of the day, I would argue is therefore a script, if it's a structure for something that you know works because you've honed it over years and sessions mm -hmm. to be fine-tuned, is arguably therefore a script. And mm -hmm. um, actually having a script to the point that you've got every word right, every pause right, voice tones right, um, the embedded commands, whether it's through voice tones or pauses, is right. Every possible element of word weaving, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, I would argue that to not have a script, albeit it may be through time being tweaked, obviously, um, is potentially a sign of incompetency because you're not doing the best you could for your client because by honing it you're making sure that every laser missile technique you've put mm -hmm. in there is in at the right time where we, we what, what are your thoughts on that okay you ready yeah <laughs> you said incompetence there's also arrogance involved there though i teach my students how to read a client's landscape and how to weave that into whatever they're going to do. Anyone who says that, I want to know how they started. What was their first week, their first month? They didn't have any scripts, for real. But you need to know language patterns because you could be reading a real shitty script, a harmful script. So you need to understand. Like if you see don't language throughout it, you, you avoid that one, right? So that's just an example. But the idea is such where I can't imagine how anyone started without using some scripts. Now, if you become a scriptnotist, and that's all you rely upon, then you did not create a skill set. My advantage is, and it's been said many times as people have watched me in demos and such, that there's a natural ability here, and I get it. You know, inside of me, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a ham. I, I belong on a stage. Give me a mic, give me a crowd, give me a guitar, give me, you know, people, I'm in. And I don't need to prepare. Just, hey, you wanna come do an hour talk? Sure. On what? So there's that factor, but not everybody has that ability, and I get it. But you hone your skills along the way, and eventually you'll have all of that there. But still, there are times where I'll think, Jacob Biblich has this great stuff-smoking script, and this would be good for this person. Because as you said, it's been tested, it's been proven, it's been used. Why do the work? If it's effective, and all that matters is effective. Whatever's effective for your client is what you should be doing. And I don't care if you should be, uh, you know, reading a comic book to them. If that's what works, you do it. But how can you not, at least in the first part of your career, be using scripts? But you need to find uh, scripts that are well-written. But in order to do that, you need to know language patterns. Hmm. So I think it's arrogant. I think it's a little egotistical to poo-poo uh, on that stuff. I I couldn't agree with you more. Because personally, I think that the people that do all this, oh, no, you can't do script gnosis. I would never do that, are following scripts. They may not consciously be aware of it, but it's stuff that they've said 
in similar situations, well, you'd like to think they've said it hundreds and thousands of times, assuming that they're actually seeing people in the real world. Um, and it just gets in there. So it might appear improvised and totally specific to that client in the moment, but they've taken a bit from there, a bit from there. It's, that's still arguably a script, isn't it? If we called them blueprints, people would look at them differently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a very, 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 very good point. Um, so I'm guessing, because it segues from scripts, that you, but let's use the word structure or blueprint, as you've wonderfully suggested there, that you have what um, you call the depth model. Mm. Um, your blueprint mm -hmm. for weight loss clients. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? It works for everybody. That's the beauty. No, people would come because I got known as the weight loss hypnotist, right? But it was all the work I did previously that allowed me to be so effective with weight loss clients. And this is really um, a glitch in our profession. The top three, the first three things you work with are stop smoking, stress, and weight loss. Weight loss clients are your most complex. They're the most difficult. They bring everything to the table. Yeah. Emotion, physical, behavioral. I mean, it, it's insane. So what happened was this. Uh, shall I go into it? Yes, please. Yeah, I'd love you to. So here I become the flavor of the month. I don't go to the conventions. I'm on my own. As a matter of fact, when Dateline filmed, I was in an eight-foot by eight-foot office. It was a storage closet that this guy was renting out. And I figured, well, I can hypnotize you in the front seat of a car. So I was bankrupt, by the way, driving a 13-year-old Ford Escort. I mean, when I say I came from nothing, I'm not joking. Um, and I thought, okay, I can afford $150 a month. That's what it was. <laughs> so it was, it was so small. I mean, eight feet by eight feet. Just imagine this, right? And um, Dateline filmed in there. So as things are going on and I'm doing my work, I, start, I get a call from Elsa Eldridge, who's now a mentor of mine. And he asked me if I was going to the convention. And I said, uh, and my meanwhile because of those sessions back back to back, I would be out in the driveway while they filled out their intake form eating a banana. That's, that's how I, so uh, I said to him, well, have we met? He goes, well, frankly, no. I said, exactly. I don't go to the conventions. I didn't know what I was missing, right? Just in between classes on bar napkins, the stuff you can learn. So um, he said, well, we would like to give you an award. So I said, okay, so I went. <laughs> Little did I know the impact that what I had done uh, on that show had. There were people lined up for what looked like a mile wanting to shake my hand and thank me for the extra 50000 80000 the new motorcycle they bought, the, the reduction in their mortgage. I'm like, I had no idea. I had no idea. So then they asked me to go on the speaking tour. I don't know how to tell people what I do. I just do it. So the way I learn everything, I ask and receive. I remember I'm sitting out in the sunroom, which all, all wrapped in glass. It became my pool room, a pool table there. And I'm in my top coat still. I just come out of the car. And I just walked out there. I looked up through the skylights, looked at the stars. And all I asked was, what am I going to tell them? I go, That's weird. Depth. Ooh, hypnotists love that shit, huh? Deeper. <laughs> but then I asked, what does it mean? Like, all right, depth, what does it mean? And it all just flows, right? And if you, even people in our profession, if, if we expect too much of people when they're in a certain profession or a certain niche or something, but we're people, 
Okay, so when we adopt this lifestyle and realize you don't know, but step back and interact with the brilliance that breathes you, you'll be led way better, way smarter. So it all flowed. And here's how it works. It's denial, emotional pain, truth, and honesty. Okay. I'm not a nutritionist, nor do I play one on TV. So I don't talk about nutrition. All I say is eat from the earth as long as Monsanto didn't touch it. So it works in the inside out. People have emotional pain, no matter what their issue. Okay. Mm -hmm. And after a while, they stop the denial, the rationalizing and justifying. Then they become truthful and honest. If they're not, we need to get them truthful and honest. So you get emotional pain. Then they try to do something about it with force and willpower, conscious thought, bloop, error, doesn't work. So they go back to the denial, the D, and they stop rationalizing, justifying. And this thing just goes around and around and around and around. But once we get in there and we get them honest, because you can't be aware unless you're open and honest and truthful, well, truthful and honest, then we can start working on this stuff and we remove that rationalizing and justifying and all of this. So there are different components, obviously, that go along with the DEPTH part. And it's everything from, excuse me, old triggers, new triggers, maybe regression involved in there, always confidence and self-esteem. And it, you know, it goes on and on. But it can be used with any client whatsoever. As a matter of fact, there's, uh, I got something out there now. <clears throat> the producer for my show uh, became a client. Uh, and she said, I don't understand this. I listened to one of your audios. It had nothing to do with weight loss, and I lost weight. I go, I bet it was remove emotional clutter. She goes, yeah. I was teaching in St. Louis, and I was talking about marketing. And I said, oh, by the way, I'm supposed to be this weight loss hypnotist. You want uh, the biggest tip ever? Yep. You help your client release emotional weight, their physical weight will go. Your body matches you energetically. So if you're carrying a lot of weight emotionally, you'll carry weight. It will, it will line up. So we say, that was heavy on my mind. I carried that forever. It weighed so heavy on me, right? Well, the body matches. So when you help people release their emotional weight, things start to shift and change physically. And that's where I begin. And then it just goes on and on and on from there. There's a lot of synchronicity with what you've just explained and um, the kind of way I... I not saying it's identical, but synchronicity with some of the way I explain how therapy really works when it works. Uh, and what I say, and I'd like your thoughts, because I think it's similar but different words, so it's like, is that imagine we've got a client, John. John comes along and he, well, no, John gets up one morning. He decides, that's it, I'm not going to take cocaine anymore. And he doesn't touch it. And after a day or two, he's not really thinking about it that much. He's not really feeling any withdrawal symptoms. But he bump, bumps into some friends and family members who, who've known him all his life. And they go, well, John, you're looking better. Um, have you stopped, you know, have you, have you got off the drugs? And he says, well, yeah, I have. And they say, well, how did you do that, John? Well, I just woke up a couple of days ago and decided... That was enough. I'm not doing it anymore. And they turn around to John and in this example and go, well, you're a bloody idiot, aren't you? If it's that easy, why didn't you do it sooner, you idiot? So he goes away feeling a bit battered and bruised, emotional pain. So to then prove that he isn't an idiot and to try and stop the people that he wants to love him and accept him and whatnot, accept him, he has to prove that 
it wasn't that easy and so we'll relapse mm-hmm. and go back to it mm-hmm. whereas if the client comes to us a therapist and comes through the consulting room door whether that's metaphorically by connecting on the internet into our virtual consulting room and they're genuinely doing it for themselves mm-hmm. i think what we're really doing is just giving them a context and an environment where they can offload all self-blame shame guilt and regret for not mm-hmm. having got off their arse and done it themselves sooner but in a way where they've got a safety suit that john in the example didn't have that when they leave us when they encounter those family members who say wow it looks like you've cleaned up um you know how did you do that rather than potentially all coming undone because john goes i could have always done it type of thing but i've only just decided to you can say you know i've tried i've tried and tried and then i got told about tom nicoli this wonderful therapist it was recommended to me he's been usually successful with other people so i went i didn't know if it'd work or not but wow you know something that i tried and wasn't able to achieve it's now i'm clean and their family and friends well they might go well why didn't you do it sooner but he's got the perfect answer i'd not heard of tom nicoli at that point or jonathan royal or whoever the therapist is so all self-blame shape shame how self-blame shame guilt and regrets removed from themselves they've got this safety shield almost and the people around them that they want to be accepted by again as they knew them or back as the person they were before can't undo undo it because they're not to blame sure that's definitely part of all the work we do and what could happen with a client um when well i use this phrase a lot and i share it with my clients for whatever reason or reasons, far beyond my conscious comprehension, that's how it went. I don't know why I didn't stop sooner. Maybe I wasn't ready. I have no idea. But this is when I stopped. Like people say, well, when does the change happen? I go, it's going to sound sarcastic, but change happens the moment it happens. And we don't help anybody really change. They do. We just, like, here's what I tell people. You're the car and you're the driver. You are lost because you're out here. You need to get in here. and You don't know how to navigate. I'm the GPS. I could say, take a left, take a deep breath. And you're like, nope, okay, fine. So we have a role, but they're the ones that still do it ultimately. And some people need a reason why, or they need, well, I did this and that's why. Some people don't. I tell my client, I mean, look, this is just the way it is. We're all adults here. Whoever's watching, put the kids away. <laughs> I say, you need to go however it's right to do it with those people and tell them to fuck off. That's all there is to it. Mind your business. This is my deal. You go do you. And I also tell them the people who talk are going to talk no matter what. So they talked about you when they thought you were shit. Now they're talking about you because you think you're something. I go, they're going to talk no matter what you do. So avoid them. And the people who don't talk, don't talk. They're like, hey, if that's what he wants to do, let him do it. Ain't good for him for doing that. There's a lot involved there. Have a lot you of seen areas. that clip? Um, yeah, I'm sure you have. Um, Bob Newart, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Stop it. It's beautiful. Well, that's pattern interruption. It, I, I, when I do trainings, I say, this is the greatest example of pattern interruption you'll ever see. She's talking all about it. He goes, stop it. What? What? Pattern interrupt. <laughs> if you're watching or listening to this and you've not seen it, go on YouTube, type oh, in yes. Bob Newart, stop it, and it will yeah. come up. It's a therapist in the office. And, well, it's. It's a riot. 
it's right. it's a comedy sketch but every t i show it to people as well because there's i think that's a very value there is you, you just said there's pattern interrupts in there but there is, is a lot there's a lot more as well going on in oh, there isn't there oh, yeah, yeah well when she says my mother oh we don't go there well my astrologer <laughs> so we definitely don't go there <laughs> go watch it folks yeah. Oh, brilliant. So tell us a bit about your books, because obviously people underneath this video or underneath the audio podcast uh, symbol where they listen to it will be your website links and whatnot. Um, and also they can go on to Amazon and type in your name, Tom Nicoli, and they'll find your books and your audio CD programs. But then on your website, the other one, um, mastervisionary.com, um that's your podcast, actually, that is, I think. Uh, my coaching, yeah. My coaching. Your coaching. And then there'll be another... Uh, you'll have to remind me which the other link is but i know you've got your training programs as well that people can uh, go and look into but um yeah t tell us a bit about the programs you'll get out there the stuff because you, you shared some real nuggets in the past 45 minutes that we've been speaking there's been some real gold in there far more than people will have realized consciously at first sight but i've just sat here thinking wow i can't believe tom's been that honest and up front oh, and i thank I you i thank you so much for that um be anything but everyone should just be honest jesus yeah but you know you there's so many people in this industry that would not admit that they needed something else other than just mind power alone to deal with pain when an accident happened for example hey, like let, me, let me share this about being who you are and not caring okay i met um one of uh, william mitchell reverend william mitchell who I've actually uh, coached, and he runs the Heartland Hypnosis Conference, a wonderful guy. Uh -huh. So he's doing a talk on the wow factor. You know, you want to get a wow factor, right? So he's, <laughs> I must have had a, a moment in, in memory lapse, but he's talking about the ISC and the ISC, and I'm looking around going, all right. He says, oh, Tom, you all know Tom McCauley? Um, I hate to interrupt you, man. I said, but. What's the ISC? And he looked at me and he went, do you not know? Or do you think people don't know? So you're asking. I said, look, as much as I love all of you, I don't care. I don't know. So he told me, you know, initial sensitizing event. And I went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, thank you. I'm sorry to interrupt. On the way out, a woman said to me, you really knew, huh? I'm like, no, I didn't know. I forgot. So you, you still want to, you know, match uh, session work with me and all that? Be honest, be open. It's okay. It's okay not to know, and it's okay to tell the truth, man. Jeez. Yeah. Everything would be so much better if we did. It, it certainly would. It certainly, certainly would. Why do you think, is there a reason why you never, I mean, I don't know, you may have done that I'm not aware of, um, why you didn't do any stage hypnosis? Because obviously, oh, have. Before, you have done. Oh, right, okay. All right, so, so back in the early day, but in 1999, I got certified. Um, I I got a call from, uh, no, it was a client who said, hey, there's this church who's having an event, and it's all high school kids, and do you do stage hypnosis? And I went, sure, we can do that. I got six video cassettes of six different hypnotists doing stage shows, and I went, oh, there's a theme here. Uh-huh. The structure here. That's what I how I learned. I went out and I did it and it was crushed it. It was great. 
but the universe works, man. They gave me high school kids. <laughs> oh, yeah, that <laughs> so could be easier. easier. And I had a blast, right? So then I had I did another show, and then I hadn't done a show for like 12 years. I only did a couple. So I went down to Heartland Hypnosis Conference, and William Mitchell uh, has a lot of stage hypnotists there. And he has shows, post-graduation um, shows, you know. But this was in Illinois. So he says, want to do a couple of shows? I said, dude, it's been 12 years. He goes, you're a great hypnotist. You're great on stage. I went, all right. Where we did the shows, these were seniors in high school, right? Graduating, getting off to college, university. Mm -hmm. The place, the towns were so small. The population was 500 people. There were 38 people in one show and 36, the whole graduating class, not in the show, the whole graduating class, 38. Okay. The other one's 36 people and both those shows went great. And I haven't done a show since. You see, I disagree with you. This is where I was going to lead to if you hadn't done shows. I was trying to use it as a clever segue into confronting <laughs> you with my next question, but then you kind of derailed me because you have actually done some shows. I was going to say, I would argue that all good hypnotherapists are effectively doing a show. It's just they're doing it to an audience of one person. Oh, right on. You're just not doing skits, but you're doing other things. Mm. And when you get on stage, the one thing it does, which I didn't need actually, quite honestly, is it will help your confidence factor and it will um, give you a whole different perspective when you sit one-on-one -on -one with somebody. So I'm going to ask you, what do you think is going on on stage? Because frankly, I don't think any stage hypnotist ever has hypnotized anyone in their entire life. I, I believe it's all social compliance and uh, some of the people on stage do come to believe they've been hypnotized because it's easier to psychologically resolve and rationalize why they ended up doing ridiculous things. But they've just got the excuse to make an idiot of themselves. and All the above. There's yeah. that. There's the compliance. There's the I want to fit in. There's the uh, and then there's the legit people who truly, truly, quote unquote, were hypnotized. Absolutely. It's all the above, for sure. You see, if we go back to earlier on in, in the interview, right near the start, if people rewind, they'll hear you give a kind of an explanation of what hypnosis is. And some of the key points are that there's suggestion, conditioning. Um, I'm going to focus on those two key things. And at the time when you mentioned it, it was kind of in the context of that it's not as such some special state uh, or well, some yeah, magical it's thing common, it's it's a common everyday occurrence and this is what you want to show your clients folks associate association and imagery is how it works associate regular life experiences to what we're doing so they go oh instead of this is so different and so you, have you ever been startled in a busy mall looking at something and then, what what and, well that was trance okay so that's trance that's light level trance have I bought anything because of an ad? You think advertising doesn't work? So it's influence, persuasion, power of suggestion while you're in a trance state. If your radio's on while you're driving, uh, you downloaded all the lyrics. You didn't study them. You didn't memorize them. But you know them because you were an open hard drive. Subconscious is hard drive, right? Yeah. And you downloaded it all. So we're just going to do what happens all day long with intention. they like, oh. That's really what it boils down to in simplicity. Now, you can get as all complex and all wordy and all terminology as you want. Like, people will give me certain terms, and I go, what's that? And they'll tell me, go, oh, I do that. 
just didn't know there was a term for it. I didn't know there was some academic thing to it. Yeah. Results are all that matters, man. I don't give a crap what you're doing. You get results, you'll be all right. So what's your view on, and just to clarify the context of this, because obviously you yourself came up with depth as an acronym. It sounds mm -hmm. great. It does genuinely explain the processes that are going on. It's great for marketing as well, because it mm -hmm. sounds good. Uh, and, and that's wonderful. Nothing wrong with that. I've done exactly the same but with complete mind therapy, CMT. Mm -hmm. It's fine when you've done something in the real world as you have, but we are in an industry where, God, Facebook, it's so easy for people to advertise. Their adverts pop up on Facebook. Mm -hmm. I won't mention names because I don't want them to potentially someone go and fall for the wonderful slickly designed website that gives a false impression and mm. get distracted from then going and actually doing some real research you know if people go and type in tom nicole into google and check out your history they're going to see everything i said earlier is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of awards achievements experiences mm. and all that well some of these new kids on the block first sight someone who was learning could go to their website and be quite easily fooled because of the flashy marketing and this wonderful sounding um you know whatever fancy name it's been given it, it's the deepest level of hypnosis ever it's the best mind therapy technique ever and, and pay a fortune to learn frankly a fraction of what they probably learn during the past 60 minutes we've been talking because you've <laughs> shared such gold um i see this becoming a bigger and bigger problem mm -hmm. all, all the time what, what are your views on the state of the bloody industry in that regard well like in anything in life buyer beware consumer beware do your research if you want to knee-jerk react well there could be consequences involved and i and a lot of people like me say this you know who the best hypnotist is out there the one you don't know about because that person's doing work that person doesn't spend their time pounding social media that person doesn't run to all the conferences and whatever they don't care they don't care if you know who they are they're doing kick-ass work that's who the best hypnotist is like the best anything someone you haven't heard of yet who just for whatever reason reasons doesn't put themselves out there so it's consumer beware no matter what now, some of those people might have some quality material. Like I've met some people, I was only three years in, well, three, four years in when I was at Harvard Medical School and Dateline NBC, National TV and all that stuff. So other people, four years in, they, they still get their heads so far up their butt, they don't know what's going on. So it, there is no generalization, though percentage-wise, a lot of that stuff is just, you know, the shiny lore, you know, the bling bling. But there could be some really good material for some new and upcoming people but consumer beware as you said do your research man when people even contact me i say okay how'd you find me and if they say well i did a search and you were closest i say that's a horrible reason to call me yeah what, what if i'm not good but i was close i said what i'd like you to do is go do some research and call me back if you think i'm the guy excellent mm. now that is strong marketing because mm -hmm. I think if they, if they do good search, they're going to find all the stuff that I just mentioned that people will find when they go and look. 
and um, if they genuinely want to deal with a problem, I can pretty much guarantee they are then going to be phoning you back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's going to work even. It's going to be even more likely to work for them than it would have done previously because of the way you handled that. Oh yeah. See, when you have a certain persona, you're already ahead of the game. Like when people would come in to work with me, they were already kind of like, "Oh, here he is. That that's guy's on TV. Oh, that's him." Like it's the greatest thing on my book. It says "as seen on TV." You know, a little red thing with the white letters yeah. in it. Um, and also um, my audio sessions. If people used my audio sessions first before they came in for their session, all I would do is walk up to them and say, "That's right." And as you focus on that spot, and they go, "That that's the voice." We're already ahead of the game, as Jerry Kine used to say. They watch my intake in a room on a TV, but it's on tape. Then they come in my office and go, oh, that's that guy that was on TV. <laughs> Excellent. Perception. We're sadly fast starting to run out of time, so I want to get through these last couple of questions. Um, who are your greatest influences when you, when you, you know, not necessarily, maybe when you were starting out, but it might be along the path as well in terms of... Um, your mentors or inspirations there was no one person i gathered information when i first started um well there was more in the training than i knew at the time because as i started teaching the course i went oh i forgot that was in there oh i didn't know that was there Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's it's to get you going i mean not not one training out there i don't think is is the end so once I got certified, I was in the video um, library rental, and there were video cassettes at the time. So I get six video cassettes, have them shipped to me, watch those, take notes, ship them back, and I just kept doing this. Get online, do a lot of research. So well, was that with the National Guild of Hypnotists? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah with the That's why I got certified through. And then along the way, you know, it's um, knowing that there's nobody because here's what i learned as a guitar player so i'm on tour i'm doing an album i'm in my 20s i'm in a rock band i'm in a hair band go on youtube and type in tom nicoli armed forces you'll see okay i'm gonna do that so tom nicoli armed forces all right yeah um so i get off the road and i'm giving guitar lessons and there's this kid come in for a lesson i said so um why do you why do you want to learn he goes i want to be like you i go well i'm already taken you know you can't do that i said how about when you're alone in a room with the door closed and you're playing goes oh i hate that part i go you should burn your guitar but then he played something and i went wait a minute what's that he goes i don't know i was playing this the other day and i'm like can i caught that (laughs) this kid didn't want to play yet he played something i didn't know and i went that's a nice little line we can learn from everybody we can learn from everybody once you stop thinking you can, you're going to be the dumbest one in the room. So it's continued education. And I, I'm aggressive. Like not many people can be a good number one person. They're a good number two person, but they need somebody to have the buck stop there. Well, I'm a great number one person, man. Get out of my way. We're going to make this happen. We're going to build an empire. Remember? So I just continually learn, look, watch, mm -hmm, gather. So there isn't just one influence. It's, a big, big variety, man. All the way from like Bruce Lipton, Candace Pert, Side Guru, uh, Greg Braden, and Orman McGill, and then other people in our profession that we all buddy up with that we know. Yeah. 
Excellent. What are your biggest next on the list? And I've just realised you've kind of already answered it, but we'll just see if there's any tail end of the answer. Because the next question was going to be, what are your non-hypnosis industry influences that have helped you within the hypnosis industry? Now, you just kind of mentioned that a bit by mentioning answer. people like Bruce Lipton and stuff. Yeah, I got your answer. My dad. Oh, excellent. Because I heard, and I'm the oldest, right? <clears throat> and I grew up real blue collar, old school. Mm -hmm. Ass kick, mess up. So, and my old man was tough, real tough. But he used to always say, I'm not bringing up followers, I'm bringing up leaders. Why did I always like manage everywhere I worked or start a business or whatever? Why was I always the lead guy in the band? Hmm. Power suggestion. He was a great hypnotist and didn't know it. Also, the reason why World Hypnotism Day exists 16 years later is because I said it. Which was the next thing. That's where we were going to say we'll talk about it. But nobody picked up on it. So I went, oh, crap. I have to do it. Why? Well, because I said it. That's integrity. That's my character. So my own man instilling solid character, honest, man of your word, work ethic but i've learned to work smarter than harder and um be a leader the lead dog sees the whole horizon and chooses where to go every dog behind them in a dog sled team sees the asshole in front of them mm -hmm. i'll take the lead position thank you nice so go on world hypnotism day because i mean yeah you know it's been going for a number of years now tell us how it came it's about how it's morphed can i found it Fourth of January every year, I do something. Mm. Obviously, not in the same manner this year as previously, because here in England, you know, we, we we've been run a lockdown again and couldn't go in live public venues. But in previous yeah. years, I've done a free group therapy session. Sure, perception well, free. Any event. Event. You know, I any sold event. Them CDs like at the end, obviously, and made money at the back of the room. But um. It's been great. I, you know, if you type in World Hypnotism Day on the internet and go searching, people around the world have been able to mm. get publicity out of it, clients, and all thanks to you coming up with it. So go on. Well, back to man of my word. I'm reading on the NGH forum, a woman posted, the, the guilt is great, but you would think they would get you clients. Oh, oh. I bit my tongue. I got all the swears out, all the cussing. And then I posted back. I wanted to say, you got a lot of balls. <laughs> but what I wrote was, wouldn't it be great if we all got together instead of waiting for a society to catch up, like chiropractors and acupuncturists had to, and we told the people in a wave of exposure the truth and benefits as we remove the myths and misconceptions, like the great American smokeout, where that one day it's the biggest thing that's focused on so people are like oh my god what a great idea how come nobody else come up with this and you know jerry kind's calling me and i called dwight damon and i'm like so doc he goes great idea tom but we can't can't do it we're too busy I'm like oh man so i funded it my tech guy did all the work i called uh it was sean brookhouse me and elsa eldridge on a call one night late late at night and I started putting together a list of people around the world to contact to be the lead in that country. And since then, 
People in 22 countries have held low-cost and no-cost events promoting hypnotism on World Hypnotism Day, on that day or throughout the month. And we have now over 50 proclamations from mayors, lieutenant governors, and governors in the North America and Canada and the States proclaiming January 4th World Hypnotism Day. Yeah, it's become cool. a national event or global event, actually. Well, yeah, definitely global. I mean, yeah, because, yeah, I mean, there's people I know all over Europe and as you've gone on the internet, well, basically worldwide. I mean, it's, yeah. it's an amazing, it's an amazing achievement and 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 an amazing idea so i mean on behalf well, of all sense. the people See, out there thank you you know it's like why haven't people done this let's tell people what's up let's not wait for them to catch up let's let's let them know the truths man and this is how we'll do it and uh, people have done really well because of it you know they've gotten publicity and clients and really good stuff and um then i trademarked it because i realized it was years later I go, wait a minute, this thing's still hanging out there. I better protect it. And then there were some people who were, mm -hmm. attitude such where they thought that I was a bit arrogant for doing that. What? My idea, my money, my tech yeah. guy. I got the trademark to protect it so somebody who wasn't ethical could take it and then do whatever they wanted with it. Mm. My God, you're welcome. <laughs> I... Well, it, it, it doesn't surprise me, sadly. A sick mind fraud said there's nobody needs more help than most bloody therapists who are searching for answers to their own problems. Well, you know what, Tom? The past, a bit longer, the past hour and 15 minutes has gone, it's just gone like that. People who are watching, people who've listened, I, as I always say, and I know I'm repeating myself again, it's truer than ever with this particular episode. Get a pen, get a notepad, watch or listen again. In fact, if you're listening to this on the podcast, I'd encourage you to go to hypnosisweek.com and click on the video and watch because, you know, watching, you also get body language and you can see um, Tom's facial expressions and you'll learn a lot from that as well, tied in with the words. So I'd encourage you to do that and take notes. I'd encourage you to look at the links below this podcast or below the video and go and visit Tom's websites. Can you just tell us which one? I know, I know that TomNicoli.com is all about your musical talents. I know that MasterVisionary.com is your site for your podcast and stuff. Where, if people go on Amazon, they can find your books and some of your CD programs. Mm -hmm. In terms of your courses and stuff, where do they go and find them? Well, uh, my hypnosis site is abetteryouhypnosis.com. Uh, it's, a it's a redirect to prosperusa.com. But, um, and I took down my training site because it was New England Institute of Hypnosis when I moved out of New England and came here to Ohio, but I still make myself available for training. Um, I just don't do it in the same way I used to. Cool. Yeah. And for all the hypnotists watching, if you really want to ignite things, there are a lot of people you can contact, but if you choose me, I will give you a significant consideration from the fee. Significant. So contact Tom via his website or social media channels because you will find him on social media as well. Sure. And mention Hypnosis Week for a good deal. Um, thank you, viewers, for watching and listening. Thank you so much. Sincerely, Tom. It truly has been a pleasure to interview a legend in the industry. 
and thank you so much for your honesty and the great advice you've shared on this edition of Hypnosis Week. And, and thank you for creating the time for all the people that you gather in order to get the messages out and get more information out there because that's how people become enlightened. So thanks for what you're doing. Thank you very much. Everyone tune in again. Uh, keep looking at the channels at hypnosisweek.com. Bye for now.